Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Happy Thursday. I hope you're having a fantastic week. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Thanks for tuning us, tuning in. Thanks for putting us in your earbuds today. Super excited to have Greg Atkinson with us today. Uh, this Greg, I think, is the only the second person to ever come on the podcast twice, uh, and you're in for a real treat today. Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be back. No, I, I, Greg's one of those guys I appreciate. You really should be following Greg online, um, on his blog, follow him on Twitter. He's uh, is a thoughtful leader, um, just has a lot of great things to say. Um, he's actually in the middle of a, of a transition, actually starting a new church or going to a, a new position, which we'll talk about at some point. Uh, but today what we wanted to do um, was actually talk about a book that Greg's got coming out. Now, normally, and I said this last time Greg was on the show, I normally am not the guy that likes to shell for other people's books, but I, I would for Greg. So he's got a book coming out called or it's out called strange leadership now what is why did you call your book strange leadership uh 40 ways to lead an innovative organization why why'd you call it that great question well yes the book is all about innovation and it's different from a lot of books on innovation and that it's a biblical study a biblical view of innovation Mm -hmm. but uh it's actually a book that's six years in the making wow and um uh about four years ago um Four or five years ago, I was writing it and uh, working on it, and uh, I was in a pastor's office, and innovation basically is the act of introducing something new, so mm-hmm. it's all about new, newness, mm-hmm. and um, I was in a office of a pastor friend of mine in Georgia, and I said, hey, do you happen to have a thesaurus handy? And he said, sure, and he grabbed one off the shelf, and I looked up the word new, and one of the synonyms, one of the words for the word new in the thesaurus was strange. Mm. And I started, I started thinking about how over the years when you think of pioneers and inventors and even uh, biblical characters, how when somebody did something new for the first time, something different, something out of the ordinary, mm-hmm. they were considered strange. <laughs> and so true. I said, hey, I'm going to call my book Strange Leadership. I want to tell people to embrace being a strange leader. Nice. And uh, if you're a pioneer, if you're a trailblazer and you're doing something for the first time and it's totally different and out of the box and people are talking about you uh, and calling you strange, maybe it's not such a bad thing and maybe years from now uh, they'll ask you how you did it. And um, so uh, it's all about embracing that um, strange quality that leaders possess. <laughs> Very cool. You know, I, I was at an event uh, last month with Seth Godin and he pushed on a similar issue where he said, um, you know, Gutenberg, so the of the, of the Gutenberg press, um, launched the printing press when 96% of the people in Europe were illiterate, um, which is incredible, wow. right? So you think here was an, an, a, an innovation that no one was asking for. No one was out saying, uh, hey, we need some way to be able to read. Uh, that wasn't what people were saying, but right. that innovation ended up obviously changing the world, literally changing the world, having a huge impact. And I guarantee from a you he was considered strange. Absolutely. Yeah, very strange, yeah. right? And and so, and, and 
you know, I think innovation in the church is something we should be thinking a lot about and trying to wrestle through, you know, how are we going to reach, you know, as, uh, as our friends over at Life Church say, you know, if you're going to reach people who nobody else is reaching, you're going to do stuff that nobody else is doing. And so that, that's why I appreciate your book. I think it's a great read. Um, and the thing I love about it is it's broken up into a whole bunch of chapters. There's 40 chapters. You could easily pick it out and say, okay, this is a great kind of training tool for our, you know, our people. Let's talk about this today, um, you know, for, you know, for folks. I, this, I just finished reading um, Walter Isaac, Isaacson's book. Um, he's the guy that wrote that book, Steve Jobs. And this is kind of his follow-up. It's called The Innovators. And what it was looking at was um, really about a 130-year period for the invention of the personal computer and the internet. Um, or really the information revolution, even broader than, than the internet. And the thing that struck me through that was, hey, there's a lot we can learn from those leaders. And then to read your book at the same time was an interesting kind of uh, back and forth from a biblical perspective about what you know innovation um, looks like. But let's jump in. There's a, a chapter called Inquisition. Um, Inquisition, what, what is that all about? What's that have to do with uh, you know, innovation? Yeah, well, Inquisition is at the very beginning of the book, uh, mm -hmm. near the near the beginning, and it's it's a chapter on prayer, and uh, it's really the heart and soul of the book. It's about um, if you want to do something new, if you want to be innovative, if you, and when I say innovative, I cover this in in the introduction. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Um, um, uh, if you want, if you want that, uh, Inquisition is about asking God in prayer. Right. And um, there's a, uh, a a great quote that I included in the book. I was at a conference one time at Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama, with mm -hmm. Pastor Chris Hodges, mm -hmm. and he said, "You can't delegate prayer," mm -hmm. and it just stuck with me. And everywhere that I've taught on innovation over the last six years, all over North America, I've said. There is no shortcut to innovation. You cannot bypass prayer. Hmm. And so um, Inquisition is a key chapter about the posture in which we approach God, mm -hmm. how we come to God. And I share a story of a coworker many years ago. It was uh, nearly 15 years ago that I worked with a, a coworker, uh, a small group leader named Beth. Mm. And uh, I was used to praying God show us, God lead us, God guide us, God give us, you know, and telling God what to do. And we were we were in a in a in a team prayer and she said, "God, how can we?" And she asked God a question mm. as if she expected him to answer. Mm. Hmm. And like like it's a conversation and a wow. and a dialogue. And so it just it changed my view of prayer when mm -hmm. she just simply asked, "How can we blank and I, I just was stunned, and I thought, I've never heard anybody just ask God a question and mm -hmm. wait for his answer. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's, that's basically what innovation is about. Um, there's a lot of scriptures I share up front in the book uh, that are foundational to strange leadership. Um, when we talk about the act of introducing something new, I talk about God being the chief innovator, mm. and I reference Isaiah forty three nineteen, where God says, I'm about to do something brand new. Can you not mm. see it? It's bursting <laughs> out. And I talk about God doing new things. And, um, and then there's a, some, some great scriptures, uh, a great scripture in the message, which I love uh, checking out things in the message. It mm -hmm. just really refreshes me. Mm -hmm. But Ephesians 5.1 is watch what God does and then you do it. 
And the reason that that scripture is foundational to the book is I say early on in the introduction that 20 years ago, nearly 20 years ago, I was heavenly influenced in my own Christian journey by Henry Blackaby's book, Experiencing God. Yeah, definitely. And and Blackaby talks about um, joining God where he's at work. Mm-hmm. And so Ephesians 5.1, watch what God does and then you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, join God where he's at work. That's what I mean by being innovative. People right. uh, sometimes think that when they see a book on innovation that it's about being cool or trendy or the <laughs> next big thing. And uh, if you read, if you take time to read the introduction, you'll see that my heart is, let's just follow the Spirit of God and see where He leads. Mm-hmm. I love at the beginning of your introduction, or it might have been the foreword. No, I guess it'd be the introduction because you wrote the introduction, not not, uh, not the foreword. Um, you know, you write off, you say like, hey, there's a lot of scripture in this book. I'm just letting you know right up front because that's yeah. what it's based <laughs> on, which is, uh, I don't think I've ever read a book that right from the beginning is just letting you know uh, there's a lot of Bible in this. It's fantastic. <laughs> yes. Um, so now, has there been anything as, you know, kind of as the books out there now in the wild, any kind of interesting stories that's come back from people that have read the book or kind of impact it's had on them? Yeah, um, there's a ton of people still reading it because it is a long book. Uh, right. This is probably the longest book I will ever write. <laughs> it's I've true. Got... I have it on my Kindle and it's heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I always tell people I've got a lot of books in me and I'm writing a book right now and... But they, but they won't. Uh, they won't always be this long. This right. book was uh, over 101,000 words. It's wow. a 388-page book. It took me a, uh, a full year to sit down and write, and it was a six-year journey. But mm-hmm. um, this is just very close and dear to my heart. But it, it won't always be like that. But um, but there are some troopers that have taking it maybe a, a chapter a day or a chapter a week and have gone through since it's released and have read it and left some great uh, reviews. But um, what I'm hearing is how people are using it with their teams, with their leadership mm. teams and with their staff. Um, if you go to the book's website, strangeleadership.com, there's a free team discussion guide download. Oh, and nice. that's an idea I stole from Andy Stanley. Uh, when right. he released Deep and Wide, which is a great book, um, he had a free team discussion guide, and I thought that was a great idea. Mm-hmm. So, um, so on the book website, strangeleadership.com, you can download a free team discussion guide. And I had somebody else write it because I wanted another person's perspective. So somebody else uh, read the book and then wrote discussion chap- uh, questions after each chapter. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there are teams that are going just uh, a chapter a week. Mm-hmm. And they're they're reading chapter one, they're discussing chapter one, then they read chapter two, and they discuss chapter two, and they're using the team discussion guide. And and uh, I look forward to when they finish going through that as a team, hearing more stories come in. But um, but it's it's also uh, a long tail book. You know, mm-hmm. I I didn't write this hoping just that a, a a few people would buy it right away. I wanted this to be the reason the focus is is a biblical view of innovation is I wanted you to be able to pick this up five or ten years from now and it still be relevant. Right. And um, you know, I was teaching at a conference recently on innovation and I asked, what do you think of when you think of innovation? And somebody said technology. Hmm. And I said, you know, I say in the book that innovation and technology are not synonymous. Mm. And um, out of the 40 chapters, only two even mention technology. Mm. 
there's 38 chapters that have nothing to do with technology hmm. and that there was a reason behind that because again I want you 10 years from now to pick this up and to read it and it to be founded on biblical bedrock scripture uh, principles mm -hmm. and uh, be applicable to you whenever you read it and so my my hope and dream for this uh, pray with me uh, is is that it's uh, it's it becomes a textbook and it's used in Bible colleges and seminaries I'm actually teaching on it uh, in January at Nebraska Christian College I'm teaching mm -hmm. I'm teaching a week-long intensive class on innovative leadership and I'm using my books my book is a textbook and I'm using Larry Osborne's uh, innovations dirty little secret right. as a textbook and those two together because they complement each other well mm -hmm. his is very uh, practical here's how we do it at my church and, mm -hmm. and mine is here's some biblical examples and models and principles so um, I'm gonna use those together to teach but um, and I hope the stories keep coming in, but mm -hmm. uh, God, God is using it, and I'm I'm thrilled. Very cool. Is there a church or kind of a cluster of churches that you refer to time and time again throughout the church or, or throughout the book? You're like, wow, these these guys just seem to have it right from an innovation point of view. Is there someone you come back to time and time again? Um, I interviewed several church leaders mm -hmm. uh, four years ago that I quote. Um, mm -hmm. Um, Pete Wilson at Cross Point in Nashville. Mm -hmm. I, I share some of their story and quote him. Mm -hmm. But the one I quote the most, uh, strangely enough, was Larry Osborne. Right. <laughs> uh, back when I was writing this uh, four years ago, he hadn't written his book on innovation right. <laughs> yet. And so uh, he sent me his uh, answers to my questions and I put it in the book. And then I read his book and it's very similar because... <laughs> Um, he was obviously marinating and chewing on it and uh, thinking about what uh, he was he was going to write. But uh, Larry Osborne is a hero of mine and somebody I really look up to. And so I I talk about North Coast a lot. And um, they they have a um, strategic, prayerful, but yet fearless approach to innovation. Mm -hmm. And um, they are they are not afraid to try something. Right. Um, uh, just today on uh, on Facebook, I saw uh, Willow Creek's Global Leadership Summit post a quote by Brene Brown that says, "Without failure, there can be no innovation." Mm. And I wholeheartedly agree. Right. And I have I have a, a chapters where I talk about failure mm -hmm. and exploration and experimentation and mm -hmm. trying things out. But Larry Osborne is a champion of that and somebody I, I, I really look up to. I, I highly recommend that people check out his book, Innovation's Dirty Little Secret. Mm -hmm. um, they talk about, and I talk about it in the book, they talk about every year they go away on a zero-base planning retreat. And this is where the, the leadership team gets away. And they say, if we were starting from scratch, if we started completely over as a church plant, mm -hmm. what would we do and what would not make it? What right. would we not do? Right, and and they um, they choose to kill or cut things based on that planning retreat. Mm -hmm. If we were starting over, we wouldn't do this. So let's not do it. And uh, as you know, there's a chapter that's very close to my heart in the book on subtraction and <laughs> yes. being being willing to kill a ministry. Yeah. And um, um, a part of what I loved there in that chapter, that chapter particularly, you know, you said a lot of times we think about innovation. And what we, what we mean is we mean we're adding things to what we're doing. 
And you said, you know, which it was a great insight. You were um, kind of pivoting off of, I believe it was Andy Stanley, you know, who was saying, hey, you yes. know, when um, people get up on a Sunday and talk about we're going to do something new or we're going to make an innovation, everybody's excited. And if you're really good, you might even get a clap about it. Um, but uh, what won't happen is when you talk to little Aunt, you know, Bessie or whatever, when you're going to cut her program, um, that's when it starts to fall apart for people. Um, subtraction is hard. Why do you think subtraction is so hard for churches today? Man, that is the million dollar question. You yeah. know, I, I teach at conferences. I, I've spoke um, eight years, eight different times at the Moody Bible Pastors Conference, mm -hmm. and I've taught pastors from all over the world. And this is the point of most tension. Right. Um, there, there is something, when I talk about, sometimes I'll say something just to throw it out there and stir the waters, <laughs> but I'll say, hey, if you're a church that has 300 in worship on Sunday morning and only 30 come back on Sunday night, it might be time to kill your Sunday night service. Mm. And um, that's hard for churches. Um, you know, when you, when you look at a lot of vibrant, healthy, booming, growing churches, uh, they're they are, and Craig Rochelle, who I quote throughout the book, talks about this a lot in his book, It. They are very streamlined. They're very focused. Anley Stanley covered this in the uh, Seven Effective Practices of mm -hmm. Church Ministry in his book. Um, they talk about, Annie Stanley talks about narrowing the focus. Mm -hmm. And churches that are thriving do a few things and do them very well. Right. And I talk about this whole concept, which was ingrained in me through the book, Simple Church. I'm mm -hmm. gonna keep plugging other people's books. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Simple Church is, is like uh, next to the Bible in, in my house. But um, uh, basically they talk about, you can accomplish more by doing less. Mm. And um, a lot of churches that I see that cannot get over the 100 hump or the 200 barrier, uh, they are busy every night of the week. Right. You know, they've got, they've got the Monday night visitation, the Wednesday night prayer meeting, the uh, Sunday morning service, Sunday night service. And that pastor is preparing three different messages. Right. A Sunday morning message, a Sunday night message, and a Wednesday night message. Right. And I, I talk about this principle that I've had for years of you, you've only got 100%. Mm -hmm. You can divide that up however you want, but it's still going to equal 100%. Right. Why not give 100% to that Sunday morning message that the most ears are going to hear right. instead of taking a piece out of that pie and working on a second sermon or a third sermon? Um, and so it's, it's a struggle for a lot of people. Um, it's something I love teaching on, mm -hmm. and that's why I, I'm excited to teach this to college students mm -hmm. in 2015. But um, uh, if you can learn early on, and where I first heard this, was many years ago at the Catalyst Conference, Andy Stanley taught a, uh, uh, a message called The Blessedness of Subtraction. Mm. <laughs> and he said, no ministry has a forever shelf life. Right. And that, that stuck with me. Absolutely. No ministry has a forever shelf life. And um, uh, it's a chapter that I refer back to often in the book. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll, I'll be talking about something totally different, and then I'll throw in, for some of you, you need to go back and reread the subtraction chapter. Right, right. But um, it's, a, it's a tough one. Absolutely. You know, at our church, um, we've just gone through this. We, we, 
you know, as we kind of were evaluating this year and looking into next year, um, there are two events that are, I would say, have have high emotional value for us um, that we've canceled for next year. One, we do a, and I've actually blogged about it. I've had a bunch of people talk about it. We do this 5K. Uh, we've done this 5K that raises money for clean drinking water. And in fact, the organization that we, we most of the resources from that have gone towards, they came to it last year and they said, you know, this is the largest single um a sports event like this that supports our ministry. They're like a $25 million a year organization. And we decided to cancel it for next year. We're not doing it because we found this year um, we still had good turnout, but it just took a lot more effort to get people to come to. We were having to manufacture energy for it. We were jumping up and down saying, come to this, come to this, come to this. And we realized that's a good sign for us to say, we need to yes. turn the corner and say, okay, we need to find something else. We need a brand new wine skin uh, to put that same passion, which is a passion for helping people with clean drink and get clean drinking water, but we need something new, which for us was a risk because it's, it's, positive. People like it. Um, and it raised us a bunch of money every year. And so next year we're gonna have to do something different and we're working on what, you know, that could be, or we do this. The other part of it was we do this summer camp, which, um, was a, a great program, a lot of fun. You know, it kind of is a little bit of the feather in our kids ministry cap every year. They finish off the year really with that. And it makes a, you know, they love it and they put a lot of energy into it, but you know, we've said, this doesn't help us reach people who aren't from outside our church. You know, it's fundamentally, yeah, there's a few, but the majority of it is really just serving our own kids. And so that we don't really want to do that. And so that one, although we're not public on that one yet, so actually both these were not public on. So I don't know if any people from our church listen, they're going to hear that. Um, <laughs> but that, you know, I expect particularly on that second one, I think there's going to be a bit of uh, some pain on that, right? We're going to have some leaders say, because people for years have been giving up a week of their family vacation. They've been saying, hey, I'm not going to go on whatever. I'm going to take a week off work and come work for you guys. Um, and so, but again, you know, we're trying to cut that, which is hard. That, that those are hard decisions to come to. Was well, there anything yeah. else? We, and we, is, oh, sorry. Go ahead. You, uh, you, you touched on something key. Uh, at my, at my last church, we cut something that the church had been doing for years. And I know what, the pain you're talking about and what that's like. And, uh, I've actually cut several things throughout the years, but you said something that I learned from Chris Hodges. Uh, I got to spend a lot of time with him back when I used to coach church planners with ARC and, mm -hmm. and go to a lot of the ARC training. But uh, he said, you, you mentioned, you said in passing, we were having to manufacture energy yes. for something. Yep. And Chris Hodges says at Church of the Highlands, they never prop up any ministry. He says, if, if it needs an announcement from the pulpit, right. it gets cut. Right. If, if, if we have to stand up and beg people, please come to this ministry, mm -hmm. it's gone. Right. And, uh, and that's a key indicator Absolutely. if you're having to manufacture energy for it. That's huge. Absolutely. Well, anything you'd love to share with folks before we jump into, obviously we want people to, to get out and get the book. We'll, we'll provide links in the show notes. Uh, but anything else before we jump into the lightning round um, for today's episode? No, I would just say that um, um, I saved the best chapters for the end of the book. My my, The last five chapters are my favorite. And so even though it's a long book, stick with it. <laughs> they The chapters build upon each other, and right. I reference each other uh, throughout the book. But keep on trucking, even if it's a chapter a week. And, it, and I know a pastor that did this took 40 weeks to read the book. Mm -hmm. Just go a chapter a week and read your way through it. And uh, the team discussion guide is there for you to go through with your leadership team. 
but my favorite chapters are towards the end, and um, and uh, I hope you'll be blessed by it. Absolutely. It seems like the book kind of gains momentum throughout it. Gets, you know, in the end, those last five are execution, situation, vacation, frustration, desperation. And then obviously there's the conclusion of the book. And so, that, yeah, that it's fantastic. This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Well, let's jump into the lightning round. That's the part of the show where we ask similar questions of folks uh, who are on the show every week today. We've got Greg Atkinson, uh, author, pastor, coach, blogger. Um, great guy. I'm super. You really should get a chance to uh, to follow him. Now, I, because this was Greg's second time on the show, our pattern has been when people are on a second time, we don't do the lightning round. But Greg was like, no, no, I want to do the lightning round. So, uh, so Greg, <laughs> what is a new helpful tool uh, that you've been using in your ministry uh, these days? Well, um, I, am, uh, I am just starting to use it more and more in a ministry context, but I am learning from other churches how to use it. And I know this has probably been covered on your lightning round before, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's Instagram. The way churches are using Instagram uh, for promo videos, highlights, uh, pumping up uh, events and uh, the weekend, Mm -hmm. or a look back at something that happened uh, with a little 14 second edited video, Mm -hmm. or uh, even pictures. uh, uh, my pastor Derwin Gray at Transformation Church, um, he'll do these picture quotes where it's some—it's a still shot of him preaching, yep. and then a powerful quote from the weekend message, just to kind of remind people what the what the summary of of what he said was mm-hmm. that that weekend. And so I've just seen churches really—you uh, know—if you had asked me a year or two ago, I would say Facebook because right. I was so huge into using Facebook and I still love Facebook, but I've seen a lot of creative use of Instagram. Absolutely. I, you know, it's funny cause I think uh, Twitter, I use a lot for interaction with people, but if I got to be honest, the one that I prefer is Instagram, partly cause I'm visual and it's, and I, I follow a lot less people on Instagram. You're one of the people I follow on Instagram. Um, and it's just, I find it really intimate to get, you see pictures from folks and stuff. It's pretty cool. Uh, what about some books that you've been reading? You, you have, this has been the book episodes. You, you know, you've listed a lot already. Uh, but are there any others that you've you've read that have kind of you know kind of caught your attention these days? Yeah, there's there's a quote that I say in the book uh, in my book, and that uh, it's a principle that's taught throughout the book, and that's leaders are readers. That's mm-hmm. why I quote a lot of books because uh, I believe leaders should be constantly reading and feeding themselves, uh, primarily and first and foremost with scripture, but then also with all kinds of books, mm-hmm. uh, like the book you referenced uh, by the guy that wrote Steve Jobs. That's yep. uh, that that kind of stuff is awesome. Mm-hmm. But um, two books that I've read most recently that really had an impact on me was The Carpenter by John Gordon, mm. which I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. And then one that I'm still working my way through because it's actually longer than uh, Strange Leadership. It's a <laughs> <laughs> it's a thick book. And that is the pastor by Eugene Peterson. Okay, yeah. and uh, that came highly recommended. And so um, I am digging into that, but it's a slow, long read. Nice. Well, you, you've got your pulse on a lot of different churches and ministries across the country, really around the world. What are some other ministries that are inspiring you these days? Well, I want to give a shout out to my new church where I'm I'm joining the staff of, and uh, been watching for a long time and following online. And that is Transformation Church in Great South church. Carolina. Uh, it's a suburb suburb of Charlotte, North Carolina. But um, Pastor Duran Gray 
and Transformation Church, uh, they have a vision to be multi-generational and multi-racial. Mm-hmm. And um, when I first talked to Pastor Derwin on the phone, uh, we were talking about our, we both have a heart for diversity and for multi-ethnic mm-hmm. ministry. I have for years. My best friend is black. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something I've been passionate about for decades. And uh, he was saying, he's writing a new book right now with Leadership Network on, on this whole thing. But mm-hmm. he said, uh, if you fast forward 10 to 20 years from now, if your church does not look like Transformation Church, it's going to be obsolete mm. um, because mm. of the way America is changing and, so and the demographics are changing. And so um, so I just want to give a huge shout out to uh, my new church, Transformation Church, and I encourage you to keep an eye on us uh, from a distance as, as uh, we are seeking to uh, reach... Uh, the Carolinas. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Derwin's a fantastic leader, a great church. That is one of those churches you should keep your eye on. That's uh, fantastic. Are, outside of Derwin, are there other leaders, inspiring leaders that, you know, if you could get 15 minutes with? Last time you said John Maxwell uh, when right. you were on the show. Is there uh, anyone else that you'd uh, you'd love to get 15 minutes with? Yeah, I thought about this and, uh, uh, you know, I, I am impacted by... Uh, one of, one of the values of our church and a lot of churches, uh, I first learned this value as a church from Chris Hodges at, um, at Church of the Highlands, but that is generosity. Mm. And so somebody that I would love to spend time with because he's just impressed me from a distance is Bill Gates. Mm. Um, the mm-hmm. money that he gives to, um, to, uh, to charities and organizations as a philanthropist is uh, just really inspiring and uh you know there there's so many people that have made uh billions of dollars but um you know they're living uh large mm-hmm. and they they don't really have a heart for others but um and I don't know where Bill Gates is spiritually but I love his generosity and mm-hmm. I love that he's given to make a difference and so I just love to have a conversation with him oh absolutely you know I, it's interesting he's one of those those guys I I do think when history's all said and done, as amazing as it is, as amazing as you know the technology revolution he's been a part of, I do think when people write when they write the final history on him, his generosity is going to be in the lead, um, yeah. and then it'll be you know similar to like the you know the you know there's been other philanthropists in the past that that's been there you know the Carnegies you know where it's like they they talk about their generosity in connection with then how they made their money. So yeah, that's, that's cool. All right. So what are you doing for fun these days? What are you kind of doing to, uh, you know, kick back and relax? Obviously probably these days you're mostly packing boxes cause you're just about to start, uh, when we're recording this, uh, you know, you're in the process of moving to transformation. Uh, but what else are you doing when you're not packing boxes or writing your next book? <laughs> well, I was going to say the main, the main thing I've been doing this past month is writing my next book, which I'm excited about. Um, but, um, Writing is something I do a lot of. It's something that I enjoy, and it's almost uh, like a hobby for me. It's a mm-hmm. passion, um, um, and uh, I think because I read so much that um, uh, I know John Maxwell talked about how much he reads every day. Uh, it just naturally flows out of you to want to mm-hmm. download something. You just get inspired and want to write, and so. Mm-hmm. Writing is something I'm very passionate about, but right now I'm spending uh, as much time with my family, uh, my wife and kids as I can. And uh, and yes, we are in the moving stages and uh, looking to settle back in my home state of South Carolina. Nice. And uh, 
something that's thrilling about that is we'll get to spend um, more time with our extended family, um, my the, my family I grew up with, and my wife's family, and um, we'll be back close to uh, family. And so, family is is a huge priority for us right now. Cool. Well, Greg, I've really appreciated having you on the show today. Uh, you think you're a great leader, and you know people should pick up Strange Leadership: Forty Ways to Lead an Innovative Organization. Uh, we'll have links to all that in the in the show notes. If people want to get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, my blog is gregatkinson.com and my email is greg at gregatkinson.com. Nice. And you can reach me on Twitter at Greg Atkinson. It's always my name. Great. Thanks so much, Greg. Appreciate you being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email, rich at unseminary.com. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com. It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.